I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's phenomenal episode, I get to have Dr. Stephen Gundry on the show. Dr. Gundry, you guys, hopefully you know who this man is by now. He is the writer of The Plant Paradox, New York Times bestseller. Um, he is a heart surgeon. He's got the world record for, I hope I say this right, longest transplant. He transplanted a pig heart into a baboon and the baboon survived for 28 days, I believe. I think all those specifics are accurate. He's got the world record. <laughs> um, pretty amazing guy. Absolutely. This I think this might be certainly top five favorite conversations I've had on here. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy. We get into the microbiome. We get into this world of, that's living on our skin and inside of our intestines that uh, governs potentially who we are and how we interact and we may or may not even realize it uh really phenomenal conversation hope you guys enjoy here is a little clip one of the real out there is you can take old rats and you can do fecal transplants with young rats feces and the old rats will become young again Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. If you feel drawn to that, you will find um, show notes for this and the rest of the podcasts, and you can start the five-day movement challenge, start integrating effective movement into 100% of your life, starting that challenge. Um, I have, I don't have a quote today. I have a challenge, challenge of the day, challenge of the week, uh, cook someone in your life a homemade meal and and think back into your days of three folks that have helped you out that you haven't reached out to and uh, reach out to those people and send them a text give them a call and just say thank you saying thank you feels feels real good for your biology I think uh, if you guys send us out uh, iTunes reviews or reviews anywhere that I can see them uh, and we read them on the show we will send you out a box of something from on it uh, we got one from Raymond J. JP, sweet and simple, says, wow, exclamation five stars. This is an absolutely great podcast. Thank you so much, Mr. Raymond JP. Um, unless you're a woman, that could be ambiguous. No? Ram- Ramon? Ramon? Um, okay. Here we go. Back to the show. This was live from the clinic of Dr. Gundry in uh, Palm Springs, nearby here. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. Big a big a podcast. Well, I think the fun thing about uh, the, the aura ring, and I, I'm not a consultant to them, so I can say anything I want. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that this brings to the table is heart rate variability. And heart rate variability basically gives you or me uh, how long you're going to live. And most people when they think about heart rate, they think about lub-dub, 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 and it's even and regular all the time. In fact, we're what's called a fractile organism, and we actually exist in chaos. And the more chaotic 
you are, and you strike me as a pretty chaotic sort of guy. <laughs> Why, thank you. That's a compliment. <laughs> Good. Um, the more chaotic our heart rhythm is, it actually is a really good marker for your overall health mm. and your prospects to remain healthy. And I'll, I'll give you a great example. So we know that, so we can take a computer and look at the beat-to-beat -beat variability between your heart rate. And it actually changes with every beat. There's a nanosecond difference between each beat, even though it looks regular. Hmm. And so a computer can detect that. And years ago, I was involved in a study in predicting who ought to have a defibrillator implanted for sudden cardiac death. And one of the things we used was heart rate variability. And we found that the lower your heart rate variability was, the closer you were to die. Mm. And it's been confirmed over and over and over again that the more chaotic your heart rhythm is, the more heart rate variability, and the more it varies, the healthier you are. So this guy actually tracks heart rate variability because it's got electrodes yeah. all over the place. Right. And so it's 24 hours a day doing an EKG on you, and their software tells you what your heart rate variability is. And it's really kind of fun to play with. And, you know, I'm an old fart, so my heart rate variability is usually around 60. Um, and I was talking at Mind Body Greens, um, mm. big symposium. I just did an the article desert. for them Good this, for this Monday. So I met a guy who was demoing a kind of cool thing for jet lag where you shine little bright lights in your ear. Yeah, Wait. I got one of those. Okay. Yeah. So he's got an aura ring on. I said, oh, you know, uh, so we chat up and he says, well, they're in the same same building. We're all in Sweden. Yeah. Uh, Finland. Sorry. Uh, and they're all in Finland. And I said, oh, you know, what, you know about heart rate variability. He says, oh, yeah, it's really important. So I said, well, let me see yours. So he pulls out his phone, and his heart rate variability is like 119, which is unbelievable. Now, mm. he's your age and not my age, and I'm going, darn, how, you know, how in the world am I going to get to 119? And uh, so maybe I'm just going to have to rolf with you, and you're going well, to have to hold me on your, on your feet. So the heart rate variability, I think, is a pretty probably mysterious subject to a lot of people. Is yeah. that something, is it like an indication of capacity for adaptation to your yes. environment, essentially? Yes. That'd be yeah, something. That? That's something, right? The other thing that most people don't know um, is it's a great way of tracking deep sleep. Now, right. almost everybody's heard of REM sleep, the dream sleep. And that's cool. It's great. But what's becoming more and more clear, I think, thanks to the work of Dale Bredesen, the guy who wrote The End of Alzheimer's, yep. is that our brain cleans itself every night. And it cleans itself with this kind of cool stuff called lymphatic flow. And mm -hmm. all the toxins are normally washed out of your brain. It's kind of like a tide coming in and cleaning things out and receding. And we can track, with this guy, deep sleep. And it turns out that the older you get, the less deep sleep you get. Mm. And when people were kind of saying, hey, you know, you're an old fart, let me see your deep sleep. And I get a lot of deep sleep. And they go, whoa, wait a minute, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Well, it turns out that this is something I, I talk about 
quite a bit. You're designed to divert blood flow to your brain when you first go to sleep mm. to institute the cleaning process. And what's happened in modern society is you need about four hours after you eat before you go to sleep to have this effective. Uh, I'm old enough to remember that if we ate lunch and it was summer, we couldn't go in the water for an hour yeah. because our mothers told us we'd get cramps and die. Well, there was actually a little bit of truth to that wives' tale in that digestion actually takes a huge amount of energy yeah. and it takes a huge amount of blood flow. So after we've eaten, we divert massive amounts of our blood flow to our intestines. And what Dr. Bredesen and others have found out is that if you eat too close to bedtime, that the blood that would normally go to your brain to clean the brain has been diverted down to your gut, and mm. your brain never gets clean properly. Mm. Mm. Hippocrates talked about that. Oh, Hippocrates was so far ahead of his. He life. was on his game. Uh, he, you know, <laughs> How did he, he's talking about some kind of like I don't remember what the language he used exactly, but it was some type of like sacred fluid moving through. He had all these green analogies. Green life force energy. Freaking green life force energy. Yeah. How does he get that? So I mean, he was so, uh, and I, you know, I talk about him all the time. You know, first of all, he said that all disease begins in the gut. And he was absolutely right. Mm -hmm. uh, if I've learned anything in doing what I do now for 17 years, all disease begins in the gut. And what Hippocrates taught, you know, 2,500 years ago to physicians is, so there's this green life force energy and that every creature has the innate ability to heal itself, to have perfect health. But what happens is that there are external influences that actually prevent our own green life force energy mm -hmm. from displaying itself. So Hippocrates said a physician's job is to identify the external forces yeah. that are keeping you from healing yourself and remove them. And the body will take care of itself. And the the more I do what I do, I'm basically a detective. Mm. And I can actually see on blood work what those forces are. And the plant paradox was really a part of, okay, I'm going to remove these external forces. And then let's see what you're capable of doing. Yeah. And that's what's so cool. The brainwashing as a product of bacteria and such is really fascinating. You know, like toxoplasmosis or getting Ooh, fecal yeah. transplants and all of a sudden you turn into a depressed fat jerk or whatever. Yeah. It's like who's in charge? Yeah, and that's you know? something, you know, we, we're so, we don't realize that we're just this phenomenal super organism. And it, it really hurts our ego that bacteria or fungi or parasites could actually be in control of us or mm. affect our mentation or affect our emotions. But in fact, you know, 90% of all the cells in you and me are non-human cells. They're bacteria, fungi, molds, parasites, worms, viruses. And we're basically a condominium. Mm. 
for them. Hmm. And one of the things that I think we should realize is we're their home. And if we keep them happy, then they're going to keep us happy. And one of the real do-do-do-do's out there is you can take old rats and you can do fecal transplants with young rats' feces, and the old rats will become young again. They will get all new mitochondria. They will look young again. Hmm. And it's because I kind of look at it, the old rat was a fixer-upper, and a bunch of millennials and Gen Xers moved in. And, you know, they say, hey, man, you know, good, good bones. We just got to bring this thing down to the studs and just rehab it and gentrify the neighborhood. Yeah. But it's all because all they did was take young bacteria and put it into old rats. Yeah. It's interesting that the, we kind of, not kind of, we completely create the definition for where the end of ourselves is. You know, so it's like, oh, it's the ectoderm or the what? It's like, the, okay, this is this is me. I'm right yeah. here. Yeah. You know, but in reality, right now, you and I are kind of sharing each other. Oh yeah. We're inoculating each other. Oh yeah. You and I have a cloud <laughs> of bacteria. It's called the holobiome. I like the holobiome a lot better than microbiome. Mm. It's all like, you know, it's kind of like the the peanuts uh, character who had this little cloud of soot around him. Yeah. Uh, right. So you and I have this cloud of bacteria. And you believe it or not, you and I, the idea of personal space is actually probably because that's where our clouds meet. And we can sense, we, we talk about energy sensing from an individual, but in fact, maybe that energy is actually the bacteria. Detecting the bacteria. And, you know, I love to talk about why people kiss. And it turns out that uh, all cultures kiss. And there's not a culture that doesn't exchange precious bodily fluids through the mouth. Hmm. And there's now evidence that the reason you do that is that your microbiome in your mouth wants to know at a cellular level whether you're compatible with that individual. Hmm. And there's really interesting, weird data that say we kiss to find out our true compatibility. Mm. I wonder if that's if the, some of like the psychic experiences that people have and feeling empathy or telepathy or whatever whatever words. I wonder how much of that is actually us communicating. I mean, it's exactly what you're saying, but yeah. it's communicating at a bacterial level. Is there any kind of like science around that? Is that just kind of like I'll tell you the the true science. So as you may or may not know, I was a pretty famous heart transplant surgeon, baby heart transplant surgeon, and we knew from experience that actually dated back uh, years to Thomas Starzl, who was the real father of transplantation, that uh, memories of the donor would be remembered by the recipient. So, yeah. uh, and nobody knew why that was. We knew it happened, but it turns out that there were nerve cells called dendritic cells that were in a heart from the donor and or from a liver or from a kidney and those nerve cells made connections with nerve cells in the recipient hmm. and those nerve cells individual nerve cells stored memories of experiences and it's uh it's he wrote a book about it called the puzzle people 
And because we thought that we were just putting in, say, a heart, but in fact, we were putting in pieces of that whole individual. And there's now evidence that there are bacterial colonies in all of our organs as a normal part of us. And we've always thought that we were separate from our bacteria and they're just another piece of us. Mm. Something I've been tinkering with, and it's a challenge, is uh, fasting before bed. And it's unbelievable how much better my organism feels if I don't eat, you know, after whatever, call it six or seven right. or whatever it may be. Right. But I, I wonder maybe there's some type of bacterial yearning in there. It's like, it's 10 o'clock, have some peanut butter, which I know your thoughts on peanut butter. And I don't eat peanut butter. I'm just saying it's a joke. You know, but there's something in there that's like, come on, get in the fridge. Eat me. <laughs> eat me, baby. Well, yeah, it's just like, you know, it's like Audrey and Little Shop of Horrors, you know, feed me, Seymour. Feed yeah, me. right. Well, yeah. But you'll you notice, actually, intrinsically, you'll notice how much better you feel. It's huge. Again, because you stop diverting blood flow down to a rather unimportant organ, which is, you know, your intestines, and you allow this blood flow up to the brain where it's supposed to be. And the reason you, you actually, if you keep doing that, you'll notice how much better brain power you have because you actually affected that washing mechanism of your brain. Mm. It's a real deal. Yeah. So what do you recommend for people as far as uh, how often they should be eating? I've heard, I think I've heard you at least 16 hours in between. Yeah. So if you can, if you can get into a habit of, it, of at least 12 hours between two meals, and the good thing about sleep is that, you know, throws in seven or eight hours if you do it right. So it's really not that hard. For people who have a either they've been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment or they're heading into dementia or they have diabetes or they have cancer, then a longer period is better. And I recommend 16 hours if you can do it. Dale Bredesen recommends 14 to 16 hours. It's actually very doable. Uh, mm -hmm. What that means is, so if you eat your last meal at six o'clock at night, your next meal is basically 10 o'clock the next morning. If your last meal is at 8 o'clock at night, your next meal is at lunch, is at noon. Yeah. So you narrow the window of eating. Um, I've, for the last 10 years, I'm coming up to it again, beginning in January and all the way through June 1st, I fast for 22 out of 24 hours every day. Yeah. And I eat all my calories just in a two-hour window. Good. Now, why do I do that? Because... I think, and other people think, that long ago there wasn't much food in the winter. And we were designed to cyclically go through a period of growth, which was the summer and fall, and then a, a period of regression where we didn't eat very much and we lived on our fat stores. So one of the things I've done now for the last 10 years is I purposely put on about 10 pounds during the summer and fall, and then I take it off during the winter. Yeah. So I have a growth cycle, and then I have a regression cycle. And the cool thing about this is that during fasting, whether it's a daily or a prolonged fast, what happens is your cells say, oh my gosh, we don't know when the next meal's coming, and we gotta keep this organism alive. Uh, to reproduce, uh, and we got to 
keep everybody on deck, but we gotta take any cell that isn't pulling its own weight, and we need to tell it to self-destruct. Mm. Uh, it's called apoptosis or autography. And we actually signal cells that look kind of funny or not doing their job and tell them to die. Mm. And it's the cleaning process that would have gone on every year, year in, year out, that made us an effective organism. And what's happened in our society is that we've lost that period of circadian growth cycle and then a circadian time of regression. Yeah, it's the same thing you do with spring cleaning. It's the same thing you do with maybe if every Sunday evening I kind of wash my sheets and go through. All these analogies spill into every other yeah, level. Anything every, that you do in the world, it's like, oh, my cells probably do have a similar effect. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. I wanted to take a quick moment and thank our sponsor, Health IQ, for supporting this podcast. Health IQ is a life insurance company, but not just any life insurance company. They focus their efforts towards people that are living healthy lifestyles. If you are a runner, or cyclist, weightlifter, or just generally paying attention to the quality of food that you're eating, you should not be paying the same rate for life insurance. So you can jump on to Health IQ, like the letters IQ.com slash align to support the show and see if you qualify for one of their plans. They are one of the fastest growing life insurance companies with over $5 billion in coverage and they save their customers up to 33% on their plans. As I mentioned, the reason they can do this is because they take into account the quality of life that you lead. If you're investing in your health, you should be acknowledged for that in your life insurance policy. It's exactly what Health IQ does for you. So see if you qualify, jump on to healthiq.com slash align. Health IQ is in the letters IQ.com slash align. Here we go. Back to the show. Yeah, inflammation at a joint level, I think, is really fascinating. It's something I've experienced with fasting is all of a sudden some of those little nooks and crannies that I haven't really, you know, I keep doing the band work and the foam rolling and the body work, and it still kind of nags you. And then all of a sudden I stop eating for a day or something like that, and I'm like, oh, whoa, there's a big change there. Right. You know, what is, what, is, what is that? Two reasons. So, number one, every time we eat, whether we know it or not, uh, trillions of bacterial particles, which are called uh, lipopolysaccharides, they're abbreviated LPS. In the book, uh, I don't swear, but I call them little pieces of shit because that's actually what they are. Mm. They get through the wall of our gut every time we eat. And these things, I could, if you had arthritis in your knee, I could stick a needle in your knee and take some fluid out and look at it under a scanning electron microscope, and I'd see these little particles, mm. these little pieces of shit in your joint. And they are not living bacteria, but they're the cell wall of a bacteria, and our immune system can't tell the difference between a whole living bacteria and a cell wall and it says oh my gosh there's bacteria in your joint and we better attack that and that's one of the causes of inflammation lectins my favorite subject also get through the wall of your gut and do the same thing so what happens when you stop eating number one if you stop eating you don't get these little pieces of shit that go through the wall of your gut and you don't get lectins to go through the wall of your gut. Mm. One of my favorite studies, and the, the vegan community cites this study as proving that a vegan diet cures rheumatoid arthritis. And I talk about it in the book. 
you can take, take 20 women with rheumatoid arthritis and you put them on a 10-day water fast. All they drink is water. That's all they do. All 20 of these women are cured of rheumatoid arthritis. Their symptoms go away. Their mm -hmm. markers, RF, anti-CCP3 are gone. Then you put them on a vegan diet. 50% of them will relapse back into rheumatoid arthritis, but 50% of those people will remain without rheumatoid arthritis. So the vegan community says, vegan diet is proven to reverse rheumatoid arthritis. No. A 10-day water fast is proven to reverse rheumatoid arthritis. And oh, by the way, 50% of people who then adapt vegan diet will be fine. But it doesn't, so what happened was during that 10 days of water fast, LPSs weren't going through your gut, lectins weren't going through your gut, your gut wall healed, and like Hippocrates said, all disease begins, and my rephrasing of it, and ends in the gut. Hmm. Life of Plants. Yes. Pretty interesting. Have you have you read that book or heard of the book? Oh, Secret Life of Trees. Secret Life of is maybe that's maybe it's Secret Life of Trees. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a great book. So it, it's it's pretty amazing again how we create these confines of like it's it's all belief systems what we think this world is what's actually happening in this world is like whoa, it's like not even close to what even probably you or I think Correct. we're just kind of grasping at the best that we can yeah exactly you know but the aliveness of plants like some of the things that you mentioned in your book the the plant paradox which I'm like it's one of the Recently, it's one of the biggest like page turners <laughs> that I've had, which is really cool. Yeah, you get? yeah I really appreciate it. But so one of the things was was just even the sound of caterpillars on plants all of a sudden causes them to release lectins. They use it four yeah. times more lectins on the other side. Yeah, just the sound. Just the sound. And you can make, <laughs> and you can make a sound that is a little pitch different than what the munching is, and the plant won't respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? It's, you know, I, I, <laughs> years ago, uh, most people don't m know Michael Pollan's first book. Uh, you know, Michael Pollan, The Omnivore's Dilemma. His first book was called The Botany of Desire. And it was actually all about how plants are amazing chemists. And they get what they want mm. by being chemists. Yeah. And I was so impressed that, you know, plants... Plants are subject to evolutionary pressures, just like us. But the problem for plants were they were here first, uh, but when animals arrived, which were their initial predator was insects, they couldn't run, they couldn't hide, and they couldn't fight. Yeah. So they used chemical warfare as their only defense system. And lectins happen to be one of their best defense systems. But plants are so smart. I mean. You know, they've, they've had 400 million years to work this stuff out. Yeah. And there's been this incredible balance of power and detente between plants and their predators. And when a predator figures out a new system, uh, the plant says, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to up my game and I'm going to, you know, come up with this new camouflage system and you'll never find me or I'm going to up my lectin production. Yeah. Have you er, looked into much of, of mycelium being kind of like the nervous system of forests? Oh, yeah. yeah and again, every, this is such, we're such a unbelievable intertwined community <laughs> that we just don't 
forget how intertwined everything is. And we've somehow convinced ourselves that we can control everything, when in fact, if we've learned anything now, that pretty soon this miserable parasite on Earth, the Earth will get rid of us pretty pretty quickly, don't worry, Mm. unless we begin to understand that we have an integrated part. And in the secret life of trees, we, we know that trees will help an ailing tree. They'll actually yeah. send nutrients and also through the mycelium connections of fungi. There's now a lot of interesting information that fungus and bacteria will cooperate in our gut to get what they want, uh, either to make an illness come about or to make things better. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the the relationship between <clears throat> there's somebody somebody I heard I, I wrote this down a while back and it was human beings are vessels for the propagation of microorganisms. Whoever said that, contact me. I apologize. I don't remember what the name of the person was, but it's it's just it's like a mind freak. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it's like okay, so I'm like this moving vessel. I'm holding, but we're in this symbiotic relationship. There's right. no separation between me and the bacteria. We're just one. Right. But as a learning model, we separate it, but really we're just completely one, symbiotically working off of each other. That's exactly right. We're, we're there at home, <laughs> and like, like I say, they'll take care of us if we take care of them. Huh. And, and what do we do? You know, we swallow antibiotics, which is like throwing napalm on them. Uh, it's, it's just like, what, why'd we do that? Yeah. So how do we take care of them? So you got to give them what they like to eat. And what these bacteria like to eat are uh, sugar molecules, not like the sugar we think of, but long-chain sugar molecules that are called polysaccharides or oligosaccharides. So if you want to go munching on uh, jicama, for instance, great, great for you. Mm. If you want to munch on um, Jerusalem artichokes or sun chokes, great for you. Uh, the more resistant starches that you can give them, like, uh, say, taro root or, uh, you know, cassava. I heard cooled potatoes, white potatoes. I was always, potatoes bad. You eat potatoes. I just, I know, Chris Kresser. Uh, you got to talk to him. I know. I <laughs> if you cool them down, all of a sudden it becomes. That more resistant starch, but it doesn't get rid of the <laughs> nightshade quality. So cool your sweet potatoes down, and Chris and I would be in complete agreement. Oh, good. We got to get you guys to in, the room. In fact, if you take white basmati rice from India and cook it and then cool it down, uh, you'll have far more resistant starch than if you just cool it and eat it, mm. I mean, cook it and eat it. Mm. And you can even cook it, cool it down, and then reheat it, and you'll still have more resistant starch. Go on. And the resistant starch are starches that we can't digest very well, but the bugs that live in our gut just absolutely love. Mm. And by the way, the resistant starch potato starch does not feed good bugs. It actually feeds pathologic bugs. Sorry about that. So the other interesting thing, there's a lot of interesting things here. Um, the the life, you know, so the life of trees, but also the life of skin. You know, and so you continually have all these, oh no, what are they called? Something pods, little critters crawling in your eyelashes, crawling in your skin. Like this is a full city here. Oh yeah, this is a tropical rainforest. <laughs> And, you know, I came out with a line of, of products, skincare products, 
um, to actually feed the microbiome of the skin. Hmm. Because this, if you think about it, your skin is home to a whole other set of microorganisms. And it, this is their home. And they actually take care of their home. Hmm. And we do the exact opposite. You know, we scrub our face and, you know, we do use these harsh soaps. But in fact, if you put what are called polyphenols that feed friendly bacteria, and you actually can put the, for lack of a better word, the droppings of bacteria. Where, where do we find polyphenols? Because I'm sure no one's like, oh, cool, I'll get a polyphenol. Okay. What, what is that? So polyphenols are compounds that plants make to, believe it or not, protect them from the sun and to protect them from other insects. So dark colored fruits are the sine qua non of polyphenols. So resveratrol, the famous polyphenol in right. red wine. There's polyphenols in any orange color fruit, in any dark uh, blueberries, for instance. Green tea is a polyphenol. The famous polyphenol cacao, chocolate, is a polyphenol. And we know that what polyphenols do is actually feed friendly bacteria. And they do far more than that because the bacteria actually change those polyphenols into active compounds that benefit their host, us. Yeah. Yeah. So right now you're wearing a suit. Yeah. Does that some degree of degradation or um, kind of like masking or potentially suffocating the bacteria? Is it, would it be more ideal for us to be barefoot out in the sun, in the dirt, kind of like lathering mud or what's, Probably, how's that, bal how's that uh, balance? Years ago when I was in uh, medical school. I'm wearing a shirt too. I shouldn't say you should wear a suit, my, my mentor said, never wear a white coat because it separates you from your patient. And just don't do it. And so mm. I went through, it's really funny when you see me yeah. in pictures with my staff and all the docs are in their white coats and I was always in a suit and just uh, never wanted to be the white coat syndrome. People want to come in and see me. Now, should I wear a flowing robe? I don't know. It would scare <laughs> people off and I probably wouldn't be enough as believe. So I just became a suit wear. Yeah. So that's what I do. What's well, in in line with Hippocrates again, where he, he said, again, I, I mess up all the quotes, but something along the lines of like the doctor of the future does what you said. Yeah. We'll give no medicine. We'll give no medicine. Yeah. Yeah. He's just pulling out some of the kind of like this, the stones in the shoe, Yeah. you know, exactly and, then, right. and then go for a walk. You got to walk now. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, no, Hippocrates is right. And that's what I, you know, it's funny. It's if you, you know, I was a conventional medicine doc, and I, you know, I still practice allopathic medicine. I'll give somebody, for instance, I, I'll give somebody a blood pressure pill until I can correct why their blood pressure is up. Mm. Um, uh, speaking of which, you want more doo 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 doo. So a few years ago, I, I present at the uh, big microbiome conference in uh, Paris every year. And I always learned something really phenomenally weird. And a couple years ago, there were a couple papers that they discovered that their, the uh, neurons that control the sense of smell, they're called olfactory nerves. We think of them as being up here. Yeah. They're actually been discovered in your kidney and in your heart. And you go, why the heck would I need things to smell in my kidney and in my heart? Well, then they discovered 
that bacteria in our gut make, I call them farts, that are smelled by our kidney. Now, these farts are characteristic of good bacteria or bad bacteria. So if a bunch of bad bacteria are in my gut and they're farting, my kidney smells those really stinky farts. And the kidney says, oh my gosh, this guy's got bad bacteria in him. Mm. And I'm going to make some compounds, it's called the renin-angiotensin system, and there won't be a test, to make the blood vessels constrict. Because I know these bad guys are going to get out of his gut and into his blood vessels, and they're going to get, try to get through the wall of his blood vessels. And if we make them really tight, they can't get through. And that's where high blood pressure comes from. Mm -hmm. And one of the early things I found when I started taking foods away from people and treating people to take care of their good bugs, that their blood pressures fell. And, you know, they call me up and say, hey, well, you know what? What's, what's going on? I'm dizzy all the time. And what supplement are you giving me that's making me dizzy? And I'm going, I'm not giving you any supplement that's making you dizzy. You know, get in here and let's take your blood pressure. And sure enough, their blood pressures were real low. So I'd say, oh, stop that high blood pressure pill. And it's really fun to realize that, you know, these the things that we're giving people <coughs> are just covering up what's an underlying process that's fixable. Yeah, you've uh, I've heard you mention the analogy of, of blaming the ambulance for the car accident. That's what we do all. That's the whole, I mean, not the whole, but a big part of the allopathic model of medicine is is we got to find we got to, you know, yeah. make revenge on these freaking ambulances. Yeah, well, you know that Michael DeBakey, one of the great fathers of uh, heart surgery uh, from Texas, he used to say this was in the 1950s that. He didn't think cholesterol had anything to do with heart disease and atherosclerosis. And, and everybody said, what, what are you talking about? You know, we, we see all that cholesterol lining the blood vessels. Well, the analogy is that uh, if, there's, if we were Martians studying the Earth and uh, we would be reporting back and we say, you know, uh, I've got, I'm pretty sure that ambulances uh, cause car wrecks. And, you know, the high power says, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, every time I see an ambulance, there's a car wreck. Hmm. So because that ambulance is there, it caused the car wreck. And it would be a correct observation if you didn't know anything further. So DeBakey's thought was cholesterol was basically an ambulance that was at the scene of a disaster or an attack or a car accident and it was there to kind of pick up the pieces and the more i see this now um, and watch people clean cholesterol out of their blood vessels the more i realize that it wasn't the cholesterol that was causing the problem the cholesterol in a way, was an innocent bystander, just like DeBakey said mm. 60 years ago. What about your perspective on movement in relation to atheroscopic plaque? Have you ever heard that being a... Great question. It turns out that <laughs> most plaque occurs at bends in arteries. Oh. In fact, just to use the heart for an example, the part of the blood vessel that's in most of our blood vessels on our heart are on the outside of the muscle and then they eventually dive in and it's only on the outside part that we get heart disease and once you 
dive into the muscle, you don't get heart disease. I actually had a whole chapter in the first book, and they threw it out because it was too <laughs> too weird. Man, yeah. ahead of its time. Like yeah. So many things. Well, yeah, I mean, because as heart surgeons, we knew that, let's suppose the blood vessel that we want to get into is, is hard as a rock. It's all calcified. Mm. If we follow that blood vessel down into the muscle and kind of peel the blood vessel, I mean, the muscle away from the blood vessel, all of a sudden it's soft as anything and we can put the bypass in. Mm. Yeah. So in general, heart disease or vascular disease happens at bends and acute angles. So if we can keep, say, it's just something like you know, moving better, having a dance every now and again, you know, sitting in positions to, that don't end up being repetitive stress on those bends, then there probably wouldn't be so much of a reason to create somewhat of like a, you know, fatty plaque scab of sorts. We got a visitor. What's <laughs> happening? Oh, crumbs. We got to, we got to wrap this thing up. That's so sad. We, we got a couple minutes. A couple minutes. Oh, do you think you'd be able to make it back? When, when are you coming back to the La La Land? Uh, cryotherapy and roll thing and all that stuff. Yeah, well, let's see if I can try to lure you in. Yeah, see what <laughs> you do. Oh, you just love to get at my ligaments. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait. Is there anything? So, so speaking of you, you're the the doctor and the, and the the lectin, the lord of lectins and all that. Do, what do you experience in your body? Are you immaculate light? No, you know, I, I uh, it's uh, I can get some pretty good. Uh, arthritis and joint things going if I cheat mm. and then if I take them away I get all better mm. um, I, my family on my father's side come from a long line of autoimmune disease primarily psoriasis and so I don't have psoriasis um, yeah. but I could I could make it flare if I wanted to yeah it's um it's it's nice talking to you, especially in person. That's my strong preference with everything. But you have this really beautiful youthfulness that's kind of like in your eyes. You know, it's it's really it's it's nice. And I, I wonder how much of that is. I mean, your passion about your work is probably a really big thing. I think sometimes we're like, oh, it's the lectins, it's that. You're also really excited about what you do. It seems true, very true. You know, uh, you know, you gotta. If you don't like what you do, go do something else. Got uh, to. Life's too short. This is not a dress rehearsal. You know, love what you do. And, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, love what you do. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of other things to do. And I see people who really, you know, don't really like what they do. And it's really a shame. Anything you want to check off before you die? We're going to die this week. What's, what do we do? Maybe not this week, but like you're like, okay. Uh, oh, no. Come on. I'm going to live into 150, and you know, I'll tell you how it, how it is when I get there. Good. <laughs> Good. Perfect. All right. No, you know, it, it, this is the only day you ever get, so you better enjoy it every day. Sweet. Right? How do people learn more about your stuff? I highly, highly recommend The Plant Paradox. I like generally always recommend the, the books of people that write that are on here. I wouldn't be talking to them, but I especially recommend that one. I'm like, every page, I'm just like highlighting i have it on my kindle so I'm, it's it's ridiculous how much highlights i have uh you know you can get it get the plant paradox on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com or your local bookstore i'd rather you go there mm. uh you can find out about me on gundrymd.com or drgundry.com um my products i sell on gundrymd they're they're pretty doggone popular uh they're all my design um waited about 15 years to finally do it until I thought I knew enough about this. Nobody makes them for me. They're my design. I don't put my name on it. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. 
Cool. Thanks, sir. Pleasure. Appreciate yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, that thank, was good. Thank you for the, the hip adjustment. We're doing <laughs> more to come. <laughs> All right, over and out. Bye. Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. There's some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at aligntherapy.com and also on amazon.com. Um, I wanted to thank once again health iq for supporting this podcast health iq is a life insurance company that focuses towards people that are taking care of their bodies so any type of athlete folks that are paying attention to nutrition pretty much anybody listening to this podcast uh, they focus on lowering rates for you because you deserve it you get up to 33 percent lower rates than the standard you can see if you qualify at healthiq.com slash that's health IQ is in the letters IQ.com slash align. If you're a healthy individual and you got a family or, or some folks that you want to know that they're taking care of, if you're not around, that's the way to do it. HealthIQ.com slash align. Um, thank you also so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap through that link. We get percentage of it costs you nothing. And I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.